Waldorf salad. I'm sure your chef knows how to fix me a Waldorf salad, huh? Well, I wouldn't be too sure. Well, he's a chef, isn't he? Yes, yes, you wouldn't prefer... Well, find out, will you? Just go out there and see if he knows how to fix me a Waldorf salad. Of, of course, yes. <clears throat> it's celery, apples, walnuts, grapes. Right. In mayonnaise. Right. Now, come on. I want a Waldorf salad. Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s, with yours truly, Glenn Robison. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more, on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone, and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this week's show, Johnny Dunn is getting his own birthday segment for the first time. We'll have some tunes about Pavo Cristatus. What? Peacocks. We'll meet at the hyphen, say exactly what we mean, and hear from Howard Flynn once again. But first, I need to make a correction to last week's show. In the first segment, I announced The Unfortunate Brakeman by the Kentucky Ramblers. I actually played The Brakeman's Blues, also known as Yodeling the Blues Away by Jimmy Rogers. I think I was originally planning on playing that in the second segment, but wound up playing the Brakeman Blues by Whitey McPherson and the Rhythm Wreckers, so you actually got a compare and contrast. Yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. I uh, meant to play both versions. Anyway, I'm not going to play the unfortunate Brakeman, because if you really want to hear it, it was played on the February 3rd, 2013 show, and is available in the archives. Now that that's out of the way... Last week, February 19th, marked the birth in 1897 in Memphis, Tennessee, of John Henry Dunn, better known as trumpeter and vaudeville performer Johnny Dunn. He attended Fisk University and in 1916 was appearing as a solo act at the Metropolitan Theater in Memphis. In 1919, he joined W.C. Handy's Memphis Blues Band and recorded four sides with the group, but they were never released. The following year, his big break came when he was recruited by Perry Bradford to accompany Mamie Smith on her OK recordings of Crazy Blues, and it's right here for you. The record's success resulted in the formation of Mamie Smith's Jazz Hounds, a touring company, with Dunn as the star of Smith's backing group. In December of 1921, Bradford arranged for Dunn to record some instrumental sides for Columbia as Johnny Dunn's original Jazz Hounds. In 1923, Dunn joined Lou Leslie's Plantation Review, and I'll have more about that later. But in 1928, Dunn was with Lou Leslie in Europe and wound up staying, playing all over Europe with John Rick's band, Lex Van Spall's Chocolate Kitties band, and forming a couple of bands on his own. A rigorous schedule and alcohol took their toll on his health, and Johnny Dunn died in the American Hospital in Paris 
at 3.20 on the afternoon of August 20, 1937. Here are three from Johnny Dunn.
I mentioned that Johnny Dunn joined Lou Leslie's Plantation Review in 1923, and in 1926 the show opened in Britain as the Blackbirds Review. The show's band, the Plantation Orchestra, recorded four sides in London on December 1st with Clifton Pike Davis and Johnny Dunn on trumpets, and we started the set with one of them, Smiling Joe, written by George W. Meyer, issued on British Columbia 78-4185. Davis takes the first trumpet solo on the record, and Dunn is heard immediately after in the more raucous second solo. Smiling Joe was followed by Dunn's original Jazz Hounds in an unusual session featuring both James P. Johnson and Fats Waller on piano on original Bugle Blues, written by Perry Bradford. That Vocalion 78 was made in New York on March 26, 1928. We finished up with Johnny Dunn's composition, I Promised Not to Holler, But Hey Hey, performed by Johnny Dunn and his jazz band on Columbia 13004 from October 30th, 1923. I'm Glenn Robison, and you and I are listening to Rapidly Rotating Records, bringing you vintage music to which you can't not tap your toes from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s. Last week I mentioned that I recently purchased a copy of the old Waldorf Astoria bar book, written in 1934 by then-bartender Albert Stevens Crockett, and updated by recent bar manager Frank Caiaffa. And what's the name of the bar at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York? Why, Peacock Alley, which takes its name from the promenade connecting the originally separate Waldorf and Astoria hotels. So, in honor of the Peacock Alley Bar at the Waldorf Astoria, yep, you're way ahead of me, here's a set of rapidly rotating records about Pavo Christatus. Thank you. 
We started off that Peacock set with Fiddlin' Arthur Smith and his Dixie Liners with Peacock Rag, one of eight issued sides from a session in Atlanta, Georgia on October 7, 1940. You'll be hearing more from Arthur Smith in April when his birthday rolls around, with more records reissued on two 1978 LPs on the County Records label, which I recently picked up, both still sealed. Next was Harry Raderman's Jazz Orchestra in August of 1920 with Peacock Walk from OK4214. Peacock Walk was written by John Conrad, who also brought us Vampanella. There aren't a whole lot of vintage tunes about peacocks, and I was originally going to finish out the segment with a record by one of the peacock orchestras, Dewey Jackson's Peacock Orchestra, Gene Goldkett's Peacock Orchestra, or the Arcadia Peacock Orchestra, to name a few. But I happened to find out that my friend Brian Wright has a copy of The Peacock by Max Dolan's orchestra in his collection. Now, many of you know Brian through his podcast, The Shellac Stack, and through his Rivermont Records label of vintage and contemporary recordings. Even though the community of collectors of 78s is generally very open and generous and willing to share, I try not to impose, but this week I just flat out asked Brian for his E-minus copy of The Peacock, and he was very happy to oblige. The Peacock was written by Jose F. Elizondo, and is not to be confused with the 1908 The Peacock, written by L.P. Lorendo. Vocalion 14564, recorded in July of 1923, was pressed on the dark reddish brown color shellac that Vocalion called Red, and boasted that red records are best. That one's pretty darn good. Thanks for sharing, Brian. And if by some remote chance you're not familiar with Brian's show, The Shellac Stack, you can listen streaming online anytime at shellacstack.com. Benjamin Franklin is known for his wise sayings, and here in the Rapidly Rotating Records Sound Archives, we've actually got a recording from all the way back in 1776 of Ben Franklin talking to Thomas Jefferson about his wise sayings, and it's in remarkably high fidelity. Here, listen. Well, you know, a penny saved is a penny earned. Well, what does that got to do with anything, Franklin? I don't know. It's the first thing that came into my head. <laughs> I was just making conversation. An idle brain is the devil's playground, you know. So you're pretty good at that, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, there's some new wise sayings I just made up. Wise sayings? Yeah, I call them wise sayings. Mm -hmm. Franklin's exact wording, written in Poor Richard's Almanac in 1737, is, A penny saved is two pence clear. Lots of wise sayings have their origins in ancient civilizations, such as happiness and freedom begin with one principle. Some things are within your control, and some are not. Credited to the Stoic philosopher Epictetus around 100 AD. A contemporary wise saying is, Say what you mean, and mean what you say. Coined by author and self-help counselor Stephanie Layhart. So where's all this going? Well, longtime listener Tim in Oakland, California, sent a nice email a couple of weeks ago, which he does regularly, and which I appreciate greatly, to make a request, which I also appreciate and encourage. Jack Hilton recorded Did You Mean It, but Tim asked that I play Joe Loss's version of Did You Mean It. I said I would, and I meant it. Thank you. 
When you made that mischief dance in your eyes, did you mean it when it ended in a kiss? Did you mean it when you made me see new stars in the skies? Did you mean it? Was it much too sweet to miss? And did you mean that remark that you whispered in the dark? You said you'd be absolutely on the up and up with me. Did you mean it when you held me while the night drifted by? Did you mean it? Hope you did, cause so did I. Nobody's near Whisper words, loving words Like you did last night The same moon was shining That shines tonight Was that light in your eye Just a little white light Did you mean what you said last night? Thank you. 
Galloway under Joy Boys with Make Me Know It If You Mean What You Say, written by Fess Williams, recorded June 11, 1931, and issued on Victor 22736. Before that was the first, F-I-R-S-T, appearance on the show of Joe First, F-U-R-S-T, and his orchestra with Paul Small providing the vocal on Did You Mean What You Said Last Night. That recording is from December 30th, 1932, and was issued on Banner, Perfect, Oriole, Romeo, and Melatone. There wasn't really a Joe first, and this is likely just an American Record Corporation studio band, and the six sides recorded in the session were issued under band names including Owen Fallon, Ralph Bennett, Roy Carroll, and Buddy Young. Did You Mean What You Said Last Night was written by Joe Young and Bernice Petkeer. We started off with Joe Loss and his band with Chick Henderson asking, Did You Mean It? from Regal Xonophone, MR2283, Wax November 17, 1936. This Did You Mean It? was written by Mort Dixon and Jesse Greer and is not to be confused with the 1927 Did You Mean It? written by Phil Baker, Abe Lyman, and Louis Silvers. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. We're here each and every Sunday evening at 6 on Island Radio, FM 88.7, KISL Avalon, and KISLAvalon.com. This and all our previous shows are also available 24-7, on demand anytime at all online at RapidlyRotatingRecords.com. And we're on all the major podcast directories. In the second segment, I played a trio of Peacock songs in honor of Peacock Alley, the bar at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel, New York. Well, there are lots of other things you can do at the Waldorf besides drink. You can get a Waldorf salad at the Waldorf, but we're going to join Fats Waller because everybody's lounging at the Waldorf. Very good.
Delicious, delicious. I'm very good. That's the caviar? Why, certainly, certainly. Say, brother, push on them biscuits. Yeah, push on. Yeah.
Now there's a group not heard on the show before, Fudd Kandricks and his orchestra with Waddling at the Waldorf, recorded in Brussels, Belgium on November 1st, 1938. Belgian jazz saxophonist and violinist Alphonse Fudd Kandricks was born July 17, 1908, and got his start in his brother Jeff Kandricks's orchestra. He formed his own group, the Carolina Stomp Orchestra, in 1929 and played throughout Europe into the 1950s, making lots of records, some more of which you'll be hearing in upcoming shows. Fudd Kandricks died in Brussels on April 11, 1974. Waddling at the Waldorf was written by Jimmy Dorsey, who recorded it in 1937 with the vocal by Bob Eberly. If you're waddling at the Waldorf, maybe you had too many Waldorf salads and should get some exercise by doing the rumba at the Waldorf, along with Don Jose and his orchestra. Don Jose was Jose Morand, who, despite his exotic persona, was born in Brooklyn, went to Eastern District High School, and was a saxophonist for Al Donahue for a while. He left the U.S. in 1933 and spent the next several years in Europe studying Latin rhythms and playing across the continent before returning to New York to work as an arranger for Xavier Cugat and Enrique Madriguera. He formed his own orchestra and became a pioneer of Cuban musical items such as the conga, rumba, tango, and samba. He toured the country, was heard regularly on radio, made dozens of records, and succeeded Guy Lombardo at the Roosevelt Grill. Rumba at the Waldorf is from 1945. We began that Waldorf set with our old buddy Fats Waller and his rhythm, who on June 8, 1936, along with everybody else, was lounging at the Waldorf, yes, yes. Fats gets composer credit on the label of Victor 25430 as Thomas Waller. The tune could just as easily have been titled Lounging at the Hyphen. On March 14, 1893, William Waldorf Astor opened the world's most luxurious hotel at the corner of 5th Avenue and 33rd Street, where his father's mansion had stood for the previous 20 years, and which is the current site of the Empire State Building. A couple of years later, his cousin, John Jacob Astor IV, demolished his mother's mansion, which was adjacent to the Waldorf, and built the Astoria Hotel, four stories taller than its 13-story next-door neighbor. The two hotels were managed jointly as a single hotel and renamed the hyphenated Waldorf Astoria, and New Yorkers began referring to it and the corridor connecting the two buildings as the Hyphen, even inspiring a popular song titled Meet Me at the Hyphen. The original Waldorf Astoria was demolished in 1929 to make way for the Empire State Building, and the new Waldorf Astoria was built on Park Avenue. The hyphen was eventually dropped, and the hotel's official name is now Waldorf Astoria, New York. It's currently under renovation and slated to reopen at the end of the year, I believe. I hope my information is accurate, but if not, I'm sure my New York listeners will let me know. Last week I played Muddlin' Through by Howard Flynn, and here are three more from Howard Flynn.
that throng, thousands strong, out of the world each morning. Lasses wearing shawls, and hefty chaps in caps and overalls. Near the mill, hooters shrill, whistle a noisy warning. Please be quick, your legs, so hurry up before they shut the gate. Things whirl and strum When there is a cotton boom Busy fingers tend each loom And yarns are spun in every room Cares are all forgotten
We begin that Howard Flynn set with Clatter of the Clogs, performed by DeBorey Summers and his band from English Columbia 78, number CD-102, waxed June 30, 1930. The vocalist was Dan Donovan. Next was Harry Hudson and his orchestra with vocalist Jenny Howard, who were looking on the bright side, co-written with Will E. Haynes. That Edison Bell Winner 78, number 5515, was made in November of 1932. And we finished up with Howard Flynn and his orchestra playing One Tiny Tear, composed by Harry Woods, Jimmy Campbell, and Reginald Connolly. That's another EBW disc, number A5577, recorded in London in July of 1933. The vocalist was Kevin O'Connor, and apparently that session and others in 1933 were directed by Stanley Barnett, who at the same time was also directing Madame Tussaud's dance orchestra, but went on to record under his own name, and you'll be hearing some of those records subsequently. Howard Flynn was hands-on with his orchestra in sessions from mid-October on. I'm Glenn Robison, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. If you had half as much fun as I did, then I had twice as much fun as you. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always, I thank you for your very kind attention. (laughs) ¶¶